which was the apostle to the Gentiles and to the world when he came. He was one of the most important apostles of the Bible. Of course, they're all very important because God used each one to pin down portions of the Bible that we might have the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, fully furnished unto all good works. So all good words is also there. So works is good words of God unto salvation. But Paul said over in verse 13 of chapter 1 of Romans, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I have promised to come to you, but was led hereto that I might have some fruit among you. That means he wanted to preach the word of God, even among the Gentiles. He was talking to the Jews there for a second. But he said in 14, he said, uh, verse 114 of Romans, I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarian, means to the whole world, both the wise and unwise, and to the wise and unwise, even the simplest or most intelligent people. He said, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. He was going to Rome, and he was going to tell all these heathens up there about the words of God unto salvation. That's like we are today, we're going to the whole world through television and shortwave and through the satellites, we're going all around the world to tell people that 
Jesus is Lord and that you need to be saved. You need to be born again. Unless you're born again, you're going to go to hell and the lake of fire forever and ever for one simple reason, because you wouldn't believe in Jesus Christ and His finished works on Calvary's cross. And billions of people are going to go to hell because they will not believe the words of the 1611 King James Version of the Bible that I'm quoting to them. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Notice that. Power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and then to the Greek. See, the Jewish nation was God's people that fell away and decided they wasn't going to believe in Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, well, I'll just get me another people. So he did, the Gentiles. So he actually he appointed American, Americans to be the Word of God when the Jews let it down, wouldn't, wouldn't preach it. So America was the nation that spread the gospel to the whole world and is now the most powerful words of God comes from where? From the Holy Scriptures, 1611 King James Version of the Bible and is coming from America mostly. But all nations have this ability to spread the gospel. Every born-again Christian is obligated to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and how to be saved. Just like Paul was saying there. He said, I'm a debtor both to the Greek and the Jews, and to, to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. And he said, I'm not ashamed. A person who's ashamed of Jesus Christ, there's got to be something wrong with you. I mean, if you won't stand up for Jesus, all indication, you're going to go to hell. That's amazing. I see this in everyday life. The timid Christians were there called. And then I see this boastful religious person who just blasts out in your face and just yells at you and then tells you to jump up and down and dance like Sodom and Gomorrah and do all the things, acrobats, that you can get done. I never saw that anywhere in the Bible. Where did you get that? I never saw any of Jesus says anything. He said, be like me and tell people about my coming and all. That's what Jesus is saying. I never saw Jesus anything but serious. I mean totally serious. And all the prophets were totally serious about the Word of God. It wasn't no plaything. It was reality. Hell's real. And people are dying and going to hell every day because people are not spreading the Word of God unto salvation that they might believe. See, faith come by hearing Hearing by the Word of God. The 1611 King James Version of the Bible. And the Word of God says, Except ye be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus being crucified on Calvary's cross is for you. Your life's in danger. I'm going to heaven. But you that hear the Word of God must believe the Word of God unto salvation and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. How do you do that? I admit I'm a sinner. Believe. Believe. Believe in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He was crucified on Calvary's cross, that you might be saved. All you have to do is admit you're a sinner. And that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How much you believe of all these things of this world? What's so hard about believing? The true words of God. Because the Holy Spirit is taking the words of God into you right now that you might be saved. Unless you do it, you're going to go to hell. See, God said you have the power unto salvation within you. That is believing. And when you take your power, that's your willpower, and you believe, you will to believe God's words, then Jesus said over in John, the first chapter, 
He said in John 1.12, as many as received Jesus, he said, receive me. To them are given the power of God unto salvation, even to them that believe on his name, Jesus Christ's name. That's very simple. But you know what? The simplicity of fools is what sends them to hell over in Proverbs. The simplicity because it's too simple to be saved. No. It's so simple that God said you have no reason not to believe. You have no reason to refuse the one who came to Calvary's cross some 2,000 years ago that you might be saved. Today we want to look at the reward as well as the condemnation of people who who do not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and them that do receive Jesus and believe His simple words unto salvation. As many as receive Jesus, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. John 1.12, 1 Corinthians 15.51. Here's what is in store, the very next thing, for the Christians... The born-again Christians. I'm not talking about this religious bunch of junk you're seeing on TV most of the time and on the airways relating another gospel other than the words of God. But this is the reward unto all those that believe. The wonderful things Paul said. He said, I want to show you a mystery which was not revealed until now. And Paul had the mystery revealed to him by Jesus Christ in person and the Holy Spirit of God, and God the Father, three persons, one God, and He was manifested in a body. And that person's name was Jesus Christ. The Word was in that body, and He came here and was crucified for you that you could be saved. You won't believe it? You won't believe it? Then you're going to go to hell. Straight out words. You're going to go to hell, and you're going to go to the lake of fire forever and ever. I don't care how important you are, how religious you are, how many churches you belong to, how much you pray and all that stuff. Unless you're born again, you're going to go to hell. Paul said, 1551 of 1 Corinthians, Behold, I show you. Paul said, I want to show you something that people don't know. I want to show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, those that are in graves at this time, they're in graves. He said, those that are dead. But we shall be changed. I'll be changed in a moment. In other words, when we meet Jesus with a shadow of an archangel in the eastern sky, we'll be changed. And we shall be like Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. When is that going to happen? We don't know for sure, but we know by the signs that Jesus said, this is the way it's going to be before I come back, just before I return. And then the rapture, the taking out of every born-again Christian off this earth will happen. It's real. It's not some fool who made some kind of idea up that we're going to just simply follow comments or follow the sun rays or all these stupid things that they got. It's Jesus all in all. He said, Paul said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than you can blink your eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for the corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. Immortal, never dying, ever living in Jesus in heaven throughout eternity. Oh, but you, you that do not believe these words of God, you're going to live forever. You're going to be immortal in hell 
Whatsoever God doeth, it does forever. That means that you're going to the lake of fire and hell forever and ever because you would not believe the words of God unto salvation that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved, saved from the penalty of sin which is hell and the lake of fire and from the power of sin on you daily. And finally here, God is showing you as Paul shows you a mystery, a mystery unto salvation, what's going to happen to all those that believe in Jesus. A wonderful thing to know that you don't have to go to hell. If there was no heaven, just if you didn't have to go to hell in the lake of fire, but there's heaven waiting. A place of joy, peace, and wonderful things that are all through eternity. What you could never even imagine. So great has God prepared for those that are born again. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, the very last moment, for the trump shall be sounded, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for the corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and the mortal shall put on immortality, then shall they brought to pass the saying as is written, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of God. What a wonderful thing it is to know that all you have to do is believe, and then God's going to take you to heaven. But he's telling you while you're here to be steadfast. Don't be wishy-washy believing your every doctrine that goes and comes into your community and into the churches. These people, let's go back to Jude. He's going to tell you more about them. So Jude says, this is the way it's going to be. I want you to know about it. So Jude said, let's go back to Jude. Well, last sermon we preached. Listen to what Jude has to say. He said, these, dig- these people, the- yeah, let's start back at verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. See, the devil was trying to take by the body of Moses. Does not bring accusation against the devil. He just said, God will take care of you. You know, it's like when you're a Christian. Everything's going wrong and the devil's attacking you and everything. And somebody's knocking on your door and it's the devil. He's always trying to tempt you with something. So you simply say, Father, in Jesus' name, Satan's bothered me. Lord Jesus, would you take care of that? He said, I will. He said, I'll rebuke the devil and run him off right now. So here's, he says, when the, even the angel said, but the Lord Jesus Christ shall rebuke Satan. The Jews said, but these, these spots in your, in your feast, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally. As brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Then listen to what God has to say about them. First lip. Jude was writing, he said, God said, tell you, woe unto them. This is this false prophets. And there's a notation I want to bring to you. A world is looking for a Messiah. They want a leader. They're saying, just send us anyone. The European common market nations made a statement once, said if the devil himself would come to lead us, we'd follow him. We don't care if he's the devil, and they got him. They're going to get him 
full blast. The Antichrist comes out of the European common market nations filled with the devil. And devil will take over his body in the middle of tribulation and sit on the throne of God down here in, in, uh, in Israel in the temple of God and say, I am God. How many people you got nowadays saying, I am God? How I many you got a bunch of them? We got some fools that's running around and say, I am God. You may be a born-again Christian. Don't ever say you're a God. If you're a born-again Christian, you are an adopted son of God into the family of God. Adopted. You are not God. Only fools would say that they were God. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. How much? It amazes me how these people, when I was growing up, if you was a beggar, you was nothing. And one man brought to my knowledge one time, he said, you know, I can go and sit on the corner of most of the cities of the United States with a pan in my hand and shut my eyes and act like I'm blind. And said, I can make more money than you can out here working eight hours a day, hard labor. I believe he's right. We got some of them shaking their pan on TV and say, send me, send me, send me, because you owe me. We want to build this castle. We want to improve our equipment to the multi-billion dollar, the best, the elite. That's what we want you to send is your money. Now, you can go down here and starve all month if you want to, but we want you to send you our money. said, God's going to bless you. I'll bless you a hundredfold, thousandfold. Lies. Listen to what he said. The reason they're doing this is for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Korah, for they are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, you're in your midst. And they're always there, feeding themselves clouds without water, caring about of wind, trees whose fruit are withered, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, die in the flesh. The spirit and the soul and the body. The soul is you. The spirit belongs to God. That's the breath of life. It goes back to God. But you, in the soul, is the one who's breathing in this old body that's made out of dust. And when it dies, first death. Then comes the second death. You that live in this shell, this body, when it dies, you're going back to hell. You're going to hell in a lake of fire forever and ever. Why? Because you will not read or not hear the words of, of God unto salvation. For there are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, no fear. They don't fear God. God don't mean anything. It's easy for them to slam their words at the man of God. They don't fear God. But hell and the lake of fire is waiting for those people, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds which out water carried about with wind, trees without fruit withered, without fruit twice dead plucked up. The roots raging waves of the sea, foaming out their shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever held in the lake of fire. Constantly flames burning in darkness, the hurt, the sickness, the sorrow and pain. Why? Because you would not believe the words of Jesus unto salvation. Verse 14. And Enoch, also the seven from Adam, prophesied of these sayings. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly. 
who would not believe in the Word of God, who did all the ungodly sins that you find registered in the Bible, recorded for you to know. Ungodly sins, the ungodly. Convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed fornication, adultery, theft, murder, just everything you can mention, ungodly deeds. One place over Proverbs says, the evil man cannot sleep unless he's caused someone to fall or fail. He, will, he can't get out here, he has to do something to destroy somebody before he can get his sleep. He feeds on ungodly deeds that are committed, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches against the Christians, and ungodly sinners have spoken against who? Ungodly sinners have spoken against Jesus Christ. These are the murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their own mouth speaking great swelling words, have men's person in admiration because of advantage. You know why you don't see more Christians on TV preaching? Because the price is enormous. The money it takes to be on television is enormous. These professional beggars has got it all down pat. They bought up all the airways in every direction that they can. And they got their paws sticking out there like bears waiting for you to give them your money. This is what God is saying through Jude right here. Having men's person in admiration. Having men's person in admiration because of their advantage. But beloved... Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers. Mockers. How much is a Christian, the true Christian, mocked? I mock continually because I'm preaching to you, lost person, the words of God unto salvation. There is no other way. It's Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come to the Father but by Him. Mock all you like. But I tell you what, you mockers, I tell you what's going to happen. It's a place called hell. I mean, it's a place called hell, and the moment you die, and you're going to die, death is for sure, and your old body's going back to the grave to dust, and your soul, that's you inside there, you're going to hell for a thousand years, and you're going to burn there for a thousand years. You're going to say, oh, I believe Dewey was right all along. Too late. Too late. You're going to burn in hell. You listen to all these gospers and mockers saying there is no hell. You're going to know how right I really am. And you're going to see my ugly face for all eternity. Because I told you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you refuse the words of God. You're going to go to hell. And then the lake of fire forever and ever. How that they told you there, were, there should be mockers. These are the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus speaking to himself. Mockers in the last day who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is not in them. How do you know? Because I'm a born-again Christian, I get in their presence. My Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives within me and tells me. If a person's born again, I know it immediately because... My spirit bears witness with his spirit. The Holy Spirit saying, that's a Christian. Hey, you can't fool me. You can put on this show and you may lean on me with all your, all your uh, words and all your things trying to sway me to your way. It don't work. I know who you are, lost person. I know who you are, false prophet. I feel so sorry that people try to influence me how religious they are. And they're not. 
They are of God or they're not of God. There's no in-between. The Holy Spirit's either in that body of theirs or He's not in there. He's in my body. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He said, I'll be in you and with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'll bring you the knowledge of all things, He said. These are they which, who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit of God in them. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, same thing. He simply guides you into all truths. Keep yourselves in love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal, eternal life. And of some having compassion, make a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by their flesh. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy to the only wise God, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Today we're seeing all of Jude, as I've read to you most of it, showing you the false prophets, the false leaders, and the Antichrist system, and the Antichrist as he goes about our earth, taking bags of money from the United States of America, to hundreds of countries all over the United all over the world, out of the United States, he's taking them the well, and we become the not the head of the United States anymore. Our people are not the head, but we're the tail. We've been taken over by every country on earth, and they've got all their factories, all their industries in our country, and we are being ruled by the Antichrist system even today. Even though it's not tribulation. If you think our world is bad today, as evil has covered the whole world, as God said, over in the, as in the days of Noah, when tribulation comes, the Holy Spirit's going to be gone. He's the one that restrains Satan in this world today. And the Holy Spirit is going to heaven with us. He's all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing. But He also indwells every born-again Christian. Everyone's a born-again Christian on this earth. Has the Holy Spirit of God. He's there with your spirit. And He guides you into all truths. You know I'm telling you the truth. You know, lost person, that you need Jesus as Lord and Savior. Christian, you know that you need to tell others about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and how He was crucified on Calvary's cross that you could be saved. Maybe just tell one person. Maybe that's all God calls you. But God told me to tell the world. I'm doing exactly what God told me. Regardless of what you think, I'm telling you the words of God unto salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit of God as Jesus quoted it, and as apostles quoted it, and Jesus told apostles to quote it. The words of God unto salvation. Unto salvation is that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with your heart, that's your soul, You'll believe unto righteousness. With your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you love this world, then you're in trouble. If you love Jesus, you are saved. And to Jesus, we give all the glory and all the power. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Ask Him to come in your heart today. Save your life.
Gospel according to John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, 
that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him, and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, and bear record, that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, 
Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered, and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. On a country road night, I ventured back and peeped inside. Thought I heard somebody pray. My heart was heavy laden, and tears flowed from my eyes. I said, I wish someone would pray. I could not find my way 
was just to die for myself. I could not pray. I was lost in the world of dying. Never knew who saved my life. But in my desperate moment, somebody called my name that night. Won't somebody? if I'd get anybody that would vote in my favor. Well, there's several things you have to understand in the context of that statement. First of all, you must realize there are three heavens according to the Bible. The first heaven is the one that we see above us. Uh, the Bible declares in the book of Genesis that the birds fly in the heavens. We're talking about the air. We're referring to the sky or the atmosphere that is surrounding the earth. That is what we call the first heaven. And then you have what we call the second heaven. And that is known as what we call the galaxy in which we live. Within that galaxy is the sun and the moon, the earth and different planets. Within that galaxy are all the tens of thousands and millions of stars that you see every night. That's part of the galaxy. And for many, many years, scientists believe that we live within the only galaxy that is exist in existence. But as of late, with all the satellites and the technology, we have found out that we are not only not the only galaxy, but we are the smallest among the galaxies. We serve a big God. Then there's the third, what we call the third heaven. And the third heaven is the habitation of God. And it's a long ways away. I was reading a book some time ago about heaven. And I was reading one of the statements that Dr. John Phillips made. He's in heaven now about the distance of heaven. He was a genius uh, to say the least. And here's what Dr. John Phillips said about the distance between here and God's heaven. If we traveled at the speed of light... And the speed of light is 187,000 miles a second. 187,000 miles a second is the speed of light. He said if we left this earth and went directly to the footstool of Almighty God in the habitation of His glory, traveling at the speed of light, 187,000 miles a second, it would take approximately three and a half years to get to the third heaven. That's how far away the habitation of God is. So the first heaven is our atmosphere. 
The second heaven is the galaxy. And the third heaven is the habitation of God. Will everybody really get to go to heaven? Well, before I answer that question, I want to tell you some things that sound good, but really is not true. Number one, it is not true that you can't go to heaven unless you're saved. Some of you probably heard all your life in churches that you can't go to heaven unless you've been saved. I'm going to show you in the Bible that there are people that went to heaven and are going to heaven that have never been saved. Second of all, you've probably heard that you'll never have a chance to call on Jesus after you die. You've probably heard that in your lifetime. I'm going to show you that there's a lot of people that's going to call on Jesus after they die. Number three, you've probably heard that once you die, if you die without God and you die lost, you'll never see your loved ones again. You've probably heard somebody preach that. But that's not true. You will see your loved ones again in heaven because everybody's going to heaven. The fourth thing you've heard, you guys are looking at me really strange. The fourth thing you've probably heard that's not true is that if you die without Jesus, you immediately go to hell and burn forever. You've probably heard that all your life. Boy, you die without God, you'll wake up in hell and you'll burn in hell forever and forever. That's nowhere close to being true because everybody gets to go to heaven. Now, how do you get that out of the Bible? How do you balance that? If I don't do it quickly, some of you are getting ready to leave. I, I want to show you... If you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, I want you to look with me, please, in verse number 11. I'm going to show you that everybody, and I mean everybody, gets to go to heaven. Revelation chapter number 20, look with me, please, in verse number 11. John is talking here, and he said, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. Now watch this. And I saw the dead. Everybody that's ever died. John said, I saw all of them. Small and great. Where were they? They were standing in his heaven that fled away in verse 11. And they're standing before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Where's all this taking place? It's taking place in heaven. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Everybody is going to heaven, whether they're saved or whether they're lost. They're going to meet God on judgment day. Every human being that's ever lived will meet the Lord Jesus Christ one way or the other. He's who eyes or as a flame of fire. His hair is white as wool and his voice is that of many thunderings. And here we see what we call the great white throne judgment. This at this particular point is the only time in all history when everybody that's ever lived 
will be in heaven at one time. There's several points about my thought I want to give you quickly tonight. Number one, I want you to notice of the resurrection from the dead. The Bible said that I saw the dead small and great stand before God. That illustrates to me that whether a man died a beggar or a billionaire, he will still meet God on level ground. Did you know God saves sinners on level ground? And he'll judge them on level ground. And the Bible says that the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Now that means a lot more to me now than it used to since Osama bin Laden was cast into the sea. When he was killed and they had his services, his body was thrown to the sea. Uh, but uh, 6,000 years ago, God knew that that reprobate would be cast into the sea. So 2,000 years ago, he had John write it down. You let them Muslims know just because they threw him in the water that the sea is going to give up the dead which were in them. Now think about it. When the human body is cast into the open ocean, you have the salt waters that begin a deterioration project process immediately. You have whales. You have sharks. You have fish. That body swells. It explodes. It's eating. The molecules of that body are chewed up by the inhabitants of the sea. It's down to nothing, if you please, but ashes and broken down cells of flesh within the bodies of fish. And then, my friend, it turns into nothing but waste. Goes to the bottom of the ocean, covered with the sand, forgotten by time and humanity. But God said on this great day when everybody goes to heaven, I don't care where the elements of that body are. I don't care what has happened to them in the past. God said, I'm pulling every single cell, hair, and element of that body back together again. He said, death delivered up the dead which were in them, implying to me that all the human bodies that have been declared and ceased to live, God will resurrect those bodies out of the ground to meet the Lord in the air for this great day of judgment. But wait a minute. On resurrection day, the Bible says, and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Here's what the Bible's teaching about this resurrection day. God will bring the elements of the body out of the earth and out of the water. Then he'll turn around and bring the lost souls of man out of hell. And while they are plunging through the galaxy to meet God in the habitation of his own world, that body and soul will be reunited in the highest of the air. If you're here without God tonight, the very body you're living in. I don't care whether you put it in the ocean. I don't care if you cremate it in an oven or if you embalm it in a casket. One day God's going to bring your body out of the ground. Bring your soul out of hell. Reunite them in the galaxy. And you're headed for the great white throne judgment. Oh, the wicked dead will stand before God. Rich or poor, black and white, young and old, educated and uneducated. It matters not. 
You're all headed for that day to face him who's seated upon the throne. And it's not going to be the Pope, and it's not going to be Mother Mary, and God knows it ain't going to be Jesse Jackson. It's going to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the resurrection of the dead. Second of all, I want you to see a reunion that's disturbing. Now the Bible declares that this day of judgment, according to verse 11, is a great white throne. Now there's two reasons why that throne is white. Number one, it's white to indicate to us and illustrate to us that the judgment coming from that throne is going to be absolutely pure and holy and unadulterated. Nothing but truth will proceed from that throne. That's why it's white. The second reason why that throne is white is because it is surrounded by the redeemed of God. And John declared to us that when we get to glory, we not only get a new body, but we get a white robe. Showing our justification through what Jesus did on the cross. On that great day of judgment, yeah, there's going to be a family reunion. This will be the only time in all history before or after where every family member from every family from every genealogy will be reunited in heaven for the first and the only time. But there's, a, there's something disturbing about this family reunion because if you'll notice, there's a separation. Those that are robed in white are gathered around the throne. But those that are being judged are standing in the highest of the galaxy in the midst of the air in which heaven and earth even fled to the corners of the galaxy. Why is there separation during that family reunion? I'll tell you why. Because when you go to a courtroom, they have what they call a banister, a separation banister. On one side of the banister are those that are being judged. On the other side are those that are just attending to be a witness. On this great day of judgment, ladies and gentlemen, on one side of the throne will be all the lost and the condemned and the unsaved. They're there to be judged. But on the other side are the redeemed of God. We're not there to be judged. Our judgment took place on the cross when we received Christ as our Savior. We've already been the 1 Corinthians 5.10 and given account for the things done in our body at the judgment seat of Christ, whether they be good or whether they be bad. We that are saved, we're not there to be judged. We are there to be witnesses to those that have been Christ rejectors and have went to hell making mockery of the gospel of God's only son. It's an unusual reunion to say the least. There'll be a divine banister of holiness that will separate those that know God from those that don't. I know when we stand at that day around the throne, I know... We're going to see our loved ones, Brother Thomas, on the other side that are lost. I know we're going to know them, and I know we're going to see them. Because God doesn't wipe all tears from our eyes 
until Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. Why, what are we crying about in Revelation 21? We're crying because we've just seen our friends and loved ones get judged that didn't know God. Yeah, it's going to be a family reunion, but it's a disturbing one because it's though we're all together, there's a separating line between us. Number three, I want to show you the reason for this judgment day. The Bible said they're going to stand before God. Did you know God said He has committed all judgment unto the Son? Jesus Christ is going to be seated upon that throne. May I say to you tonight, if you're not converted, the Lord Jesus is your attorney tonight. He's your advocate. He's your mediator. He's your go-between between you and God. There is one man, there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And tonight he's seated at the right hand of the Father, pleading his blood upon those that will receive him as their personal Savior. He's your attorney tonight. He's pleading your cause. He's wanting you to be saved. He's wanting you to be forgiven. He's wanting you to get set free from your guilt, your shame, your regrets, and your mistakes. He's your attorney. But I tell you on this day, he's not your lawyer. He's your judge. And on this day, he's not there to save you. He's there to judge you. Amen. They're going to stand before God. Now I want to ask you a question from these verses. The Bible said they're going to be judged out of the books. Said the books were open. And John went on to say that it was the book of works. They were judged according to their works. Now wait a minute, brethren. For by grace are you saved, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Man's not saved by his works anyway. So why does God even have a book of works? To judge them by. What difference does it make? You can't work hard enough to get to heaven. If you could work hard enough to get to heaven, Jesus died a fool on the cross. But he died because you cannot get to God without him. So why are the book of works there? I'm going to tell you why. When a man dies without Christ, according to the scripture, Luke 16, he will open his eyes in hell immediately when he takes his last breath. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being tormented in the flame. But as far as I know biblically, everybody in hell is suffering the same degree of punishment. As far as I know, they're all in fire and brimstone. They're in a bottomless pit that's as dark as a thousand midnights where the birds don't sing, the sun don't shine, God's presence is never found, and a prayer is never heard. They're in a place where atheists become believers. They're in a place where condemned sinners get concerned for their family. They're in a place where they're willing to repent, but there's no salvation. As far as I know, in hell, everybody is suffering the same degree of punishment. But we're being judged, we that are saved at the judgment seat of Christ, to receive rewards for the deeds we've done in our body. See, when people go to heaven, everybody goes to the same heaven. But after that day of judgment, some people are going to have crowns. Some are going to rule and reign with Christ upon this earth. In other words, there's degrees, if you please, for those that are saved. That's why the book of works is there. There's degrees for punishment forever in the lake of fire as well. Let me illustrate. If a man never hears the gospel according to the book of Ezekiel, 
If a man never hears the gospel, he'll die in his sins and go to hell. If he's never heard the gospel, he'll still go to hell. That's why the Bible said his blood will be required at our hands. But every time you do hear the gospel, honey, and you reject Christ, God turns the thermostat up. Every time you pass that family altar Bible on a coffee table, God turns the thermostat up. Every time you're flicking through your radio and you hear somebody thundering the gospel, God turns the thermostat up. Every time you're laying in bed in the wee hours of the night and something says to you, man, you know you're not real, you know you're not saved, you need to get, you need to get born again. Every time God ever deals with you, God turns the thermostat up and he's got a record. And I say to you in the lake of fire, the fire is going to be a whole lot harder for people that heard the gospel over and over than for that individual that never had a chance to hear the saving grace of God. God is not bringing you to the day of judgment so we can all have a big party and be together forever, friend. God's bringing you to this day to give you your just reward for rejecting him as your Lord and Savior. He's turning the thermostat up. And I'm going to tell you something. The lake of fire is going to be hot for a bunch of you lying, dirty, two-faced Baptists that's never been born again. And there's going to be a lot of people there that are going to say, Lord, there's a mistake. There's been a mistake. You, 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 you see, I was saved. Oh, really? Do you really believe people are going to say that? Yeah, I believe it, and I'll tell you why. He said the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Now, do you think Jesus on Judgment Day is going to have to flick through the book and say, okay, Ralph, stand right there. Let me flick through the book and see if I, let's see, Ralph. Well, I don't know if you're in here or not. Let me check. Let me tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said Jesus knew whose name was in that book before the foundation of the world. The book of life is not there to prove to Jesus whether you had it or not. It's to prove to you that you're a liar. And by the way, that's the grace of God because he don't have to prove anything to you. But people are going to come on that judgment day and they're going to be called out one at a time. Think about it. Billions and billions of people will flow out through the galaxy. The heavens have fled to one corner and the earth has fled to the other. There they are standing in the midst of the air. Their soul has come out of hell. This is the first relief they've had since they died without God. Their body's been pulled out of the dust of the earth. They're standing before Jesus and Jesus has just pronounced that they're condemned and that they're not, they're not born again and they're not ready uh, to meet God and they've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And they're going to say, look Jesus, there's been a mistake. I'm going to tell you something. I did get saved. I remember the day I went forward. I remember the day I repeated a prayer. I remember the day I cried. I remember the day I got cold chills. I remember the day I got baptized. I remember when I started reading my Bible. I remember when I started doing stuff at the church. I remember when I started tithing. I would tell you, Jesus, there's been a mistake. I know I've been saved. And Jesus said, here's the book of life. It's written in my blood. Show me your name. I'm going to tell you something, buddy. You can fool your mama, your daddy, your husband, your wife. You can fool your preacher. You can fool your son and daughter. You can fool the church. You can fool the community. But there's a God in heaven that knows if you've really been born again or not. And on that reckoning day, you're going to see all your saved loved ones over there. You're going to stand before God. There's nobody there to defend your case. There's nobody there to brag on you. And you're going to have to wake up to the gruesome reality. Oh, my God, I'm lost. 
Men don't go to hell forever when they die. They get out of hell for the great white throne judgment. You'll see your family again at the great white throne judgment. You'll have a chance to get saved again at the great white throne judgment. The problem is Jesus ain't there to save you. I believe every one of those oceans of people will fall flat on their face and beg God to save them. I'll prove it to you. Because Paul said in the book of Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things of heaven, of things of earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the glory, is, is the Son of God to the glory of God the Father. They're going to fall on their knees and say, God, we're not saved, but we want to be. We believe the gospel. We believe you shed your blood. We believe you died on the cross. We're willing to repent. We're sorry. We're broke. They'll have all the elements they need to get saved. But the problem is, honey, you're not going to get saved. That's the reason for Judgment Day. The reason is you're going to meet God head on, one-on-one, -on -one, and you're going to listen to that voice of thunder as he condemns your never-dying soul to everlasting punishment. Number four, I want to show you the record of their departure. Jesus said in the gospel, here's what he'll say to these people, depart from me, you cursed. I never knew you. Now think about it. Could you imagine billions? I said billions. Can you imagine billions of people falling on their face and they're all begging God to save them? And they're as serious as you were the night you got saved. Probably more so. And they're begging God for mercy and all of a sudden they find out that Jesus is going to make them depart. You've got to leave. When they hear of the record of their departure, it's going to be a time of sadness because then there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. They'll scream, they'll cry, they'll fight, they'll repent only to come to the conclusion that they've been rejected by God. I wonder why Jesus said, Brother Thomas, bind them hand and foot. And cast them in the outer darkness. Why is he going to bind them hand and foot? I'll tell you why. Because when the angel of God opens the mouth of the lake of fire and them roaring blackened flames and rolling lava comes out of the mouth of that lake of fire and they find out that Jesus has rejected them to depart, they're going to run. They're going to flee. That's why heaven and earth fled so they'd have no place to hide. And the angels of God are going to catch every one of them. And, they're gonna, and the fleets of the angels of God will be cast out across the universe and, and the habitation of God and they'll grab them sinners and they're going to bind them hand and foot and brother you're going to be able to hear them scream throughout all the habitation of God let me go I want to be saved I don't want to burn let me go I say to you the record declares it's going to be a time of sadness number two it's going to be a time of separation I don't know, I, I'm not a sentimental type fella about a lot of things, but the older I get, I'm more touchy about family. I, I'm a family type guy. I love family. Amen. I like being around family. I, 
I have eight grandchildren and most of them only know me on a cell phone. I don't get to see them, don't know them very much. Brother Lovejoy, my lifestyle is just, it's just hard for me to, to be around them a lot. But all oh, the joy when I get a day off and I can go by one of the houses and pick up them youngins and, oh Lord, we should have had grandkids first. Kids are a bummer, man, but grandkids are awesome. And it's always hard, Brother Mike. Let me tell you what I do. I love them so much. And when all they got to do is say Papa, and I melt. They can have anything I got, just say Papa. Anything I got, you can have it. And if I don't have it, I'll go get it. Cigarettes, anything you want, son. Just call me Papa. But I tell you what I do, Brother Tim. I'm so sentimental about being around my grandyoungins. Here's what I do. I get up and leave in the middle of the night because I don't want to say goodbye. That's right. It's tough, man. When you get up in the morning, that little old fella standing at the window. I'm throwing my clothes in the back of a car, headed out, and all of a sudden I hear him say, Papa, don't go. I don't want Papa to go. And my son will text me and say, Dad, my boys are weeping. They didn't want Papa to leave. So what I do to make it easy on Papa is I just get up in the middle of the night so they don't know. And I've thought about, Mom, how many times I've went down the road weeping. Just over here, my grandson yelled through the screen, Papa, don't go. Boy, it tears me up. I can't handle it. But could you imagine Papa? at the great white throne. It ain't goodbye for a week. It ain't till you come through town, Brother Tim. It's not for a month. It ain't even for a million years. Brother Mike, this is goodbye forever. This is, this is it. I'm talking about it. It's over now, buddy. And there's your grandkids and there's your wife and there's your family and there's your children and there's your cousins and there's your mom and your daddy and your brothers and your sisters and your bound hand and foot and the mouth of that pit is echoing out the wrath and the judgment of God and the angel of God is about to pick you up and throw you in and all of a sudden Jesus said, is there something you'd like to say before you go? Yes, Lord, there is. The grandchildren are weeping. Papa, don't go. Papa! I want Papa! They don't... Mercy. Anything you'd like to say before you leave? Yes, Lord, I'd like to tell my grandyoungins I'm sorry. And if Papa had it to do over, I'd have got saved a long, long time ago. And I want to tell my wife, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I want to tell my children, I'm so sorry. But Papa's got to go. We'll never be together again. And the last thing your family hears is the angel of God pick you up as he throws you in the mouth of that flowing lake of fire, that lava erupting and bellying up and belching up the wrath of God. The last thing they hear you yell is, Oh, God! 
again. Mama, is there anything you'd like to say before you leave? Yes, Lord, I'd, I'd sure be a different mama if I'd have known it was all going to work out like this. And I want to tell my precious children I'm so sorry. Son, is there anything you'd like to say to your parents? I'd like to tell you, Daddy, that I'm sorry. And Mama, I love you. And I've been a rebel. And I didn't mean to be. And I'm so messed up. And if I had to do over, I'd have got saved a long time ago. We could all be together. But i got to go. Oh, God, I'm on fire! When the last sinner is thrown into the pit, the angel of God slams the door to never be opened again where you'll die but never die you'll perish but never perish you'll burn but never burn forever and forever it's at that point the throne of God is saturated with the tears of his saints and John said when it's all over heaven couldn't be heaven if all we could remember was Papa saying goodbye. Heaven couldn't be heaven if all we could remember was our children saying goodbye. So God will wipe all tears from our eyes. And the memories of their existence will be taken away. And we will forever live in the habitation of God. Joy unspeakable and full of glory where the Lamb is the light of that city. While those that we used to love burn forever and forever. A friend of mine, last November, I'm through with this, Neil's wife ran off and left him last year. He's a good man. It's a long story, but Brother Franklin, she left him with a 17-year-old boy, a 10-year-old daughter, and a 7-year-old boy. She ran off. He's got three little old kids. He, he was having to work full-time. Brother Mike couldn't raise the kids by himself. He couldn't find her. So he got with his mama, and they rented an old farmhouse outside of Hodges, Alabama last year. I think 100 years old. Been there forever. Neil and his mama and his Three kids moved in. Well, the old place was two-story, and the back downstairs only had one bedroom, and Neil's mom couldn't walk the steps, so she took it. And Neil and his three kids lived upstairs. His teenage boy lived out over the garage. They'd built a little room in the attic of the garage, and him and his other two kids had rooms upstairs. Right after Thanksgiving this past year, Neil, Neil wakes up at 2.30 in the morning, and his mother's yelling from downstairs, Neil, get up! Get up! This place is on fire. Get up, Neil. Get up. He said, Brother kid, I jumped out of bed and I looked down the staircase and between mom standing at the foot of the stairs and me, the flames were already going up the wall of that old farmhouse. He said, I yelled through the fire, Mom, get out of here. She said, Neil, one, one side of the house is already burned down. He said, Mom, get out of this house. He said, the staircase was on fire. You know how them old houses... They'll burn in 15 minutes. 
He said, I ran over the garage, and evidently that's where the fire had started, and, and all the gas cans and weed eater gas and all of that was in there. And he said, I kicked open the door where my teenage boy was staying in that little attic above, and he said, Preacher, the flames had already come through, and my boy was laying there burnt, just burnt. And he said, the flames drove me back, and I looked through the fire to smoke, and he said, my son never even rolled over. He was just laying there charred in the bed. He said, I ran back through the hallway. I could hear the staircase falling, and it was like a roaring tunnel coming down that hallway, and smoke was getting so thick that I couldn't see. By the way, he had second-degree burns in his lungs when he told me this story, in his lungs, walking through the fire trying to save his kids. He walked into the room, finally getting through the smoke, disoriented the flames. He could feel fire everywhere. His clothes was on fire. And he found his little 10-year-old girl gagging and throwing up in the bed with her face in a pillow. She didn't know what to do. And he said, I kicked out the window with my shoulder. And he said, I took my daughter. And I knew we were two stories up, but I didn't know what to do, brother kid. And he said, I threw her out the window because I didn't want her to burn. It broke her neck. It broke her back. It broke her hip. She was unconscious for weeks, but bless her heart, she lived. Neil walked in the other room and his other son had, had, was breathing smoke and he's screaming through the fire, Daddy, I can't see, I'm throwing up, I'm sick, Daddy! And he said, I ran over to the window there on the outskirts of his room and I busted the window out and the flames and the wind and the smoke blew me back. And he said, I grabbed my seven-year-old boy and I knew we were two stories up but I didn't know what to do. And he said, I threw him through the window. He said, the fire chased me back down the hallway. And he said, I just fell up against the window at the end of the hallway and crashed out onto the awning and onto the ground. And that's all I remember. He woke up weeks later. Second degree burns in his lungs. His body parched like bacon. They finally took the tube out of his throat and the first thing he said is, where's my children? They said, Neil, your oldest boy died. He said, I know, I saw him in the bed. He said, how's my daughter? They said, she's broken up, but she's going to be okay. He said, how's my baby boy? He's been through so much. His mama walked out on him. He's only seven. How's my baby boy? They said, Neil... He didn't make it. He said, you mean, you mean when I threw him through the window, he died? They said, no, sir. They said, Neil, by the time that happened, the volunteer fire department had pulled up, but the house was so far gone, there was nothing they could do. He said, they were standing around the back of the house and said, they saw you bust the window out. They heard a thump hit the side of the wall, and you came down the other end of the hall and busted through the window, and you didn't know it, Neil. But when you directed that boy to that window, he missed it. And he ran into the wall. And those men stood there with tears running down their face listening to your boy say, I've missed the opening and I'm on fire. I've missed the opening and I'm on fire. Neil, eat just a little slab of meat when we found him. I've missed the opening and now I'm on fire. A long, long time ago, God sent His Son. And Brother Powers, Jesus walked through our hell. Opened up 
the door. He said, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And he's directed us through the gospel how to escape the flames and the fire of judgment. And some of you have missed it. And you're going to burn. Oh, hear me, sinner friend. If a call of God were to come upon you tonight, respond while you can, I pray. Let's stand with our heads bowed. Brother Mike singing just as I am. You say, well, I tell you, brother kid, that message don't affect me. I'm saved. Don't affect you. Is your daddy lost? Is your mama lost? Is your son lost? Your daughter? Your husband? Your wife? How, how can you tell me that because you're saved, this message don't affect you? My God, if it affects anybody, it ought to be us. Oh, what a sad day when we see those that we've known and those that we have loved be bound hand and foot. The angels of God cast them into a burning lake of fire to burn forever and forever and forever. I want to say to you, Christian friend, if you're going to get a burden... You better get one now. Because on that day, buddy, you can cry all you want. But it's not going to change a thing. While Brother Mike sings just as I am, if you're here not saved, I want you to come. You say, Brother Kid, my God, I don't want to burn in the judgment of God. What in the world do I need to do? Just as I am. Without one plea. I've got my Bible. Would you like to be saved tonight? Would you like to be delivered from your sin? Would you let Jesus show you the door so you can bypass the fire? You don't have to perish, honey. You don't have to die without God, sir. Oh, blessed God. Oh, Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God. It's our families, Lord. It's our loved ones, Lord. It's our kin folks, Lord. It's our acquaintances, our neighbors, the people we work with. Oh, God, have mercy on all of us. Anybody else need to come? Everybody gets to go to heaven. But not everybody gets to stay. Not everybody gets to stay. Sir, if you're not saved, I'd love to take the Bible and help you. Ma'am, if you'll just take one step toward me, I'll meet you here. Come on, let me pray with you. If you don't know you're saved, would you let me pray with you right now? Why would you hear a message like this and leave without letting God help you tonight? It may never be like this again. Would you come? This is the last verse if nobody comes. Sing, Brother Mike. If nobody else comes, you're telling me, preacher, I'll go to hell, I'll die without God if I want to. Anybody else? Come on, friend. This is your verse. You're not rejecting me, young man. You're not rejecting a church, buddy. You're rejecting God. You reject God now. He'll reject you later. Anybody else? Oh, Lamb of God. That's right. That's right. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. Oh, God.
sing another verse, Brother Mike. Papa, don't go. Don't leave me, Mama. Just Granny, don't go. Mama, don't go. Please, Daddy, don't leave me. Goodbye, son. One plea. Goodbye, honey. But Goodbye, Grandma. Goodbye, Grandpa. I gotta go. How sad the great and day of judgment will be. Anybody else want to step out and say, Preacher, I'm not going to hell for anybody. I'm coming to Jesus right to now. I'm coming right now. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? God oh, Lord. That's right. Sing that first verse, Brother Mike. Folks are still weeping and praying. Sing that first verse. Are you coming? Just as, Just as I am. I am. Yes. But that thy blood was shed for me. Last verse, last invitation, last night of revival. Anybody else? Come to the Lamb of God. Of God I come. Softly, brother mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, what a day. Dear God, what a day. What a day. Everybody gets to go to heaven. But not everybody gets to stay. That's right, son. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. That's right. Woo! Dear God. When I see leaves falling, I know winter's coming. When flowers are blooming, I know there's a spring. For the seasons abide by the word he has given. Now signs are appearing for Jesus to come. I'm looking for Jesus, my soon coming King. I know he's returning like a bird on a wing. It may be at morning, but he may come tonight. 
my soul take its flight The trumpet will sound for the joy of that moment My soul hears his footsteps and I look toward the sky My heart beats with rapture as the Spirit speaks to me Saying, lift up your head for my coming is nigh I'm looking for Jesus, my soon coming King I know He's returning like a bird on the It may be at morning, but he may come tonight. I want to be ready to go, let my soul take its flight. I want to be ready to go. Let my soul take its Heaven, such glorious beauty everywhere. Heaven, there's no other place that can compare. Heaven, God's glory fills the air. Heaven, there'll be no more pain and sorrow there. Heaven, no more sickness and death, nor despair. Heaven, the Lamb of God sits on His throne chair. Heaven is the eternal home for the saints the Lord has prepared. If you're on the road to nowhere, separation from a holy God is a living nightmare. Your life may seem hopeless, but Jesus cares. Jesus understands, and He is aware. That's why the cross He did bear. He wants you to become His kingdom heir. Can you trust and believe in the Lord today? If yes, then pray the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner and have sinned against you. And my sins have separated me from you. Please forgive me for my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with all my heart that Jesus is your son. 
I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary that I can be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. I repent of my sins and I will live and worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right now, I am born again. I am saved and I am cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.